not just sitting in front of my computer reviewing a contract. I mean, happy to do that. And actually, I do get some satisfaction from drafting, constructing uh, a contract that really solves maybe some challenges or, or solves some, some problems. But um, ultimately, it's more of a personal interaction. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I am grateful to have attorney Brian Lynch of Styles Law in Massachusetts. He is a business law attorney who really enjoys working with startup entrepreneurs. Hey, Brian, welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. So tell me why you like working with entrepreneurs, startups, getting them going types. Yeah, I think it's it, it really stems from, um, you know, it's in my nature to, I don't know, creative or builder. I really like the idea of creating something maybe not from nothing. I mean, I think that might be an overstatement, but just this idea that, you know, someone wants to create a business, create something, you know, and uh, I, I love it. I love that idea of let's, let's, you know, let's, let's build something up that, that wasn't there before. Let's make this better. So I, just that kind of mindset, someone who's looking to do that, I enjoy helping them do that. Right. That's, that's the, that's the key for me. The, uh, the, that entrepreneurial spirit someone has to, create a business um, is, you know, I admire that. You know, I admire and I enjoy working with those, those types of clients. So that client comes to you and says, I was referred by so-and-so. They said, you could help me out. I have this really good idea. Where do I start? Well, that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a great question. Uh, and it depends on, on what their idea is, what their, what their vision is. So, I mean, if it's, you know, they've got uh, an idea to start a company or, you know, probably more common is, They've been working in whatever space, you know, for some time. They've got a career, and maybe they're pivoting to someplace else, or they want to take the skills they've acquired and go out, go out on their own, or join up with maybe another uh, colleague, you know, start their own uh, firm in the same industry. Um, so it depends what they want to do. Uh, so that you know, how do you get started? First thing is you got to figure out, okay, who, you know, wh what are you going to do? What what industry you're working in? How many owners are there? Who's involved in this project? You got to create the entity, you know, form it, either a corporation, LLC, you know, whatever, register with the state, draft the documents, the, 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 the documents that kind of, you know, set the foundation of, all right, who owns this company? You know, how do we manage this company? And then there's also the contingency. All right, what happens if it doesn't work out? What happens if someone wants to leave? Like, or someone, you know, you know, retires, you know, it goes great, but it's time for them to move on. Right. So it's gotta people, think about don't want to, people don't want to think about it. It's like the estate planning, right? They don't want to think about the actual facts of something potentially happening differently than the Pollyanna version of it. Right. So well, exit yeah, strategies, I mean, no yeah. one even thinks about exit when they're starting. Not many. Yeah. People. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that was a good point. And the estate planning comparison is actually a, a, a good one because people starting a business, they don't think about if they have a, a business partner, right? So it's almost like a marriage, right? It's almost like a marriage where what happens if they don't think about this? What happens if someone dies? What happens if someone gets divorced and their, you know, their, their partners, you know, 
that that interest in the company could be a marital asset. It could get split up, you know, to a, to an ex-spouse. So all of a sudden, the person you were doing business with now you're doing business with their spouse. Yeah, in theory, right? Now I, I happened. You know, I'm sure it's happened, right? It, yeah, right. It, oh, it absolutely has. And the question is, you know, what does the spouse or ex-spouse really want to be running this business? Well, if it's if it's generating a lot of money, they might be. You know, they may not want to be managing it, but they might want to keep their ownership interest. You know, get those you know those profits uh, distributed each year. Um, so yeah, it's like state planning, very similar in that. You got to think about well, what happens if the death, so what, so what would, so what retirement, would, let me incapacity. Yeah. Let me interrupt you. I mean, the, <laughs> but I, I mean, the me, list, it, the list goes on, right? And people don't think about that stuff when they're, when they're going to start a business, right? Cause they're focused on starting a business, right? Not what could happen. So what do you say to somebody who walks in and says, listen, I, I hear you with the exit strategies. I, I, uh, I'm with you. I, I'm re- a realist. Um, what do you suggest if somebody dies? What's the, what's the stopgap? What's the solution to it? Yeah. So a couple of ways to think about it, you could have, you know, in an LLC operating agreement in a corporation shareholder agreement, these are documents that are going to kind of govern the relationship between the co-owners right? and they'll answer the questions of what happens if, so, you know, the, uh, if someone is retiring, if someone is incapacitated, if someone is going through a divorce, you know, uh, if someone dies to answer, you know, your specific, you know, uh, example, what, what can the L, what can the company do? So if someone dies, their interest goes to their heirs, right? Maybe in their will, they pass it to whatever, or maybe they didn't specifically put it in their will, but um, it passes through probate. Well, you could have uh, in the, you know, the, the corporate documents, if an owner dies, the company LLC or corporation has a right to purchase, buy out that estate's interest in the deceased owners and, you know, fair market. So how does that work? I think that's where I was going with this. So how, how does that work? Is there an appraisal that's done? Is there... Yeah, so you uh, a couple of ways to do it. Um, I mean, certainly fair, fair market value would be the fairest, right? So how do you figure that out? So you need a business appraisal, or you know, you need a, a business appraisal appraiser to do an appraisal. Um, and you know, certainly uh, you can have the parties agree. All right, parties have to you know come to terms and pick one. Company can pick one. If the estate's not happy with that, they can pay for their own appraiser to do a second appraisal. Do they match up? Are they, you know, different? Uh, what happens if they don't match up? Do you have a third one? Do you kind of just meet in the middle? Uh, a lot of different options. I think most business owners want to keep it as simple as possible. They see that if we give everyone these options, it's just going to take time, which equals money, right? It gets more expensive. So um, trying to narrow it down uh, that you know, there's one, one appraisal if the estate in this example disagrees, objects to it, they've got to come up with their own money to get another appraisal done. Oh, that's a fair way to, to figure that piece out. Now, what happens if the surviving owners of the company don't have liquid funds to pay? Yeah, so that's, and that's, that's a common you know, occurrence. So um, there are insurance products where companies can take out key man insurance uh, or you know, buy, sell, agreement insurance where something happens to one of the co-owners 
you know, if they die, you, there's an insurance policy benefiting the corporation, benefiting the LLC, which would put the LLC in financial position, may not have a ton of you know, liquid assets or capital ready to buy out someone who could be a 50% owner, or, you know, pretty, pretty valuable piece. Well, there's an insurance product that could fund that. Right? So that's. But then who becomes the owner of that position? Yeah. Yeah. So then the, the, um, the corporation buys or the LLC buys that interest. Yeah. And really there's not a replacement shareholder or replacement equity owner. It just, the you know, you go from simple, easy math. If we had two owners, 50, 50, they each owned 50 shares or 50 units. Um, one, so now they've got a, a pie of a hundred units. Yeah. 50 each, right? Yeah. One dies, LLC or corporation through their key man insurance policy yep. buys out that estate. There's not another replacement shareholder. So the pie goes from 100 down to 50, right? So the, the pie shrinks now that that owner has now got 50 shares, 50 units, but that's 100% of the issue. Got it. Equity, right? So they, there's not a, you know, so in the, those, those units, those shares, they just kind of become retired. So do that math with four owners, 25% dies. Does the shares become 25% or are they distributed across or does it depend on how you're documenting? Yeah. It? So you could set it up a couple of ways. Um, so using that example, one dies, if the LLC, the corporation is in position or chooses, elects to buy out that estate, then it's now around 25 with three owners, 75 total, so one third, right? Or might have a, a second option in the, you know, the corporate documents saying, if someone's dies, someone's exiting the company as a co-owner, the company can buy them out first, company isn't in a position or doesn't want to do it, some of the other owners can then buy out. The, so there's kind of a second, um, right, you know, second second bite of uh, the owners to buy out um, the deceased owner's share. So using your example, 25 shares, four people, one dies, well, one buys out that deceased owner's share. So they go from 25 units or shares to 50 then there are two partners down two other partners each have 25 so they get diluted but maybe they're fine with that right maybe they, they you know that's that's not an issue but that it changes you know how the how the the pie is sliced up without a doubt and that's definitely a consideration to think about because then you might have equal owners and then all of a sudden someone buys out another owner's share and then they're they're the majority stakeholder right they've got the power the voting power to so the moral of the story is there's a lot of different options, but they need to be yeah. set out in the beginning, which is when yeah. people aren't thinking, you know, critically about those issues, right? They're thinking about how are we going to keep these suppliers on board? What are we doing about inventory? Yeah, how, how we we, yeah. they're, they're focused on running the business. Right. That's, that's more than a full-time job, right? That's, right. That's, that's, that's a lot of time and effort to run the business. Um, so they're not thinking about that, that stuff. So then that's, you're right, absolutely. Got to set that stuff out at the beginning. So when something happens, it's not a scramble to figure out, oh, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? How are we going to, 
how are we going to you know, not take a huge financial hit? Because um, because the option is you don't think about it and someone dies and and you don't know it's not laid out. Okay, what do we do? Well, does that estate now become a business partner as we talked about, or does the LLC or the corporation do they have to mortgage an asset to buy out that estate? You know, then it becomes a, a could become a financial strain. And it can all be avoided by really critically thinking in the very beginning yep. and outlining, Absolutely. are we all good with this? Does that sound good to everybody? All right, let's, when we get to certain uh, target point, we're going to get insurance for this too next, okay? But otherwise we'll self-insure. Everybody good with this? Okay, boom. You know, and then at what point Absolutely. do you do that? Probably pretty early on because the insurance is probably not super expensive at, you know, 500,000 then a million, you know, it becomes trivial, I would imagine, depending on yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it, there's, like any insurance, there's a lot of variables to it, but yeah, there's going to be a, a product, you know, at every stage, right? So it's 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 all about you know risk, right? So as the company grows, policy's got to get bigger, but as the company grows, you probably can, you know, the company could afford, you know, higher premium. So after representing a bunch of people who came in, I've got an idea, I want to execute on it. We've been doing this, we want to button it up, what have you? What piece of advice would you give? to a group of people or an individual starting a business that you've seen consistently create success and the lack of it consistently creates failure? Well, I, I, it's, I mean, hate to focus on the negative, but it's the, the ones that jump out in me are like, where, where were the challenges? Where did, yeah. where were the missteps taken? Yeah. And without a doubt, the number one issue I run into, and it's probably not a legal issue we're trying to address, but you know, people are, you know, startups, you know, by their nature are starting from nowhere. There's not a huge cash flow going into it, can't pay people for their time. So often it's a side project to start, or if someone's in position to have a successful other company cashed out, they've got some money to, to keep it going. You know, they are, they need to put the time and focus into getting that business going. Cause that's, that's where, definitely see challenges where a couple of people get together, got a great idea. Let's form this business. They've got a, often they've got another full-time job they're trying to maintain until they can transition over. Or a lot of entrepreneurs are serial entrepreneurs. They got a lot of projects going on. You know, they're, they're can spread themselves a little too thin to the detriment of their latest venture, right? There's just not enough time and energy to do everything they want to do. So it's a matter of, finding the right people, delegating, communicating who's doing what, and making sure you know, people have the, the bandwidth to, to do what needs to be done. That's, that's without a doubt the, the first challenge, the biggest challenge I see from the, you know, from the outset. Not, not a legal challenge, but it's, it's something to be, you know, I'd certainly talk about with all my clients just to- And, you're, and you're, more than, you're more than just legal. I mean, you're counseling, you're advising, you're using the wisdom of other companies that you've seen what works. I mean, I've heard you say it in, in a board meeting of one of mine is if we don't have one person hard charging this, it's going to fall flat. They always do. And that's kind of where I was going. And I think you got there in a roundabout way that there needs to be action, right? Without action, you're going to go nowhere. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been in uh, meetings with, you know, weekly meetings with companies, you know, starting out, they've got a group of investors or, you know, you know, 
colleagues or friends who got this idea, but they're all doing other things, right? And we meet every week, every week, every week, make a little progress here, a little progress there, but to really, to really, you know, grow it and make, make it happen. Someone, someone's got to take the lead and be like, this is what we're doing. Do, you do this, you do this, you do this. Let's report back next week with everything done. If you run into a problem, obviously let's talk about it. Let's figure it out. But someone's got to drive the bus, right? Someone's got to, you know, you know, you know, push, you know, push everyone um, forward. And it's not easy, right? And it takes the right mindset. It takes the right touch, right? Because people are busy, you know, in, in this space. They're often got a lot of things going on and uh, it can become overwhelming. Um, or those investors take their funds. And yeah, well, I mean, that's, managing yeah, because there's, do it, yeah, right? so there's a ton of, ton of, you know, passive uh, owners who are not interested in the day-to-day and -day mm -hmm. figuring this stuff out, but they've got the capital and say, all right, you guys love the idea, believe in you, we've got some money for you, make it happen. They're, they're going to want to see growth. They're going to want to see progress. Um, you know, there's a lot, you know, certainly could be a, a, a big chunk, big chunk of change there they're using to buy into this idea. All right, I have a question for you. This, I'm yeah. starting to drill down on two or three questions that I'm asking everybody. You know karaoke's coming, that's not going anywhere. But here, here's one that I've, I started to formulate in the last couple of uh, podcast interviews that I wanna ask you. Once your engagement with a client has ended, thus you've, you've handed them off to the venture folks or, or the, they, they've, they've sold into a much larger organization. What does the testimonial from them sound like? Well, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I hope, you know, I hope they, they are testimony to me. Brian Lynch was a great resource, not just a, a great attorney, right? That's because that's, that's probably the most satisfaction I get is really being there for the client to help them grow this business. Obviously, you know, the legal end, I want to prepare them as best we possibly can, minimize the risks as best we possibly can. But I, I don't want to just be, hey, that's the guy that drafted the documents, right? That's the guy that drafted the contracts for us. So that's the guy that, you know, that's, I mean, a part of the, part of the job no problem doing that job, but I want to be more than that. So hopefully the testimonial is Brian was a great resource. We enjoyed working with him, not just for his, you know, his legal guidance, business, you know, guidance, you know, you know, teamwork driven, helping us whenever we, or wherever we needed where he could. That's, that's the, cause that's when that's, when that's been the process, when that's been the experience, that's what I enjoy the most, right? So that's that's what I'm looking to get out of it. And that's that's what I enjoy. It's not just sitting in front of my computer reviewing a contract. I mean, happy to do that. And actually I do get some satisfaction from drafting, constructing uh, a contract that really solves maybe some challenges or, or solves some, some problems. But um, ultimately it's more of a personal interaction that that's gonna really, you know, I'll be you, proud of, right? you, That's what I'm gonna take away. So you're, you're accepting that intrinsic value of being a partner in their success. I love that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I enjoy the most, without a doubt. I love that. All right, one more for you. How would you want a referral partner to introduce you to their client? 
what would what would a conversation from me real estate attorney introducing somebody who is about to launch into a real estate investment career but needs something more than I have the capacity to do you need they need to set up entities and structures and such what 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 should I say to that person to introduce them to you yeah I mean I, I would definitely want to establish that I have the skill set right to accomplish their goals right so I, I, I want to be looked at a looked upon as you know a great resource for doing the legal work but as my testimonial response was I also want to be you know, refer to as a great, you know, uh, resource for a starting business, you know, just knowledge beyond experience beyond the legal, you know, you know, uh, aspect of starting a company, right? Someone who can, you can bounce ideas off or someone you can talk about outside of the legal stuff, you know, business development, what direction, what do you think about this? You know, not, you know, not just, that's the attorney who can draft the documents for us, right? That's because that's part of the job, and in some ways, I enjoy that part of the job, but it's not the it's not the entire job. So, how's this for an introduction, Joan, Billy? I see what your I see your future. You're getting into real estate investing. You want to go double down, you know, one off deals here and there individually, good idea. But once you start really dialing it in and doing properties that you don't intend to live in, that you're going to be uh, utilizing subcontractors, you need to start a business. Brian Lynch, attorney, can guide you and introduce you to other professionals that you're going to need along the way, like CPAs and bookkeeping and outsourced virtual assistants. Let me introduce you to attorney Brian Lynch, and he'll set up an appointment to strategize with you at no fee, no commitment, and figure out if it's a good fit. Does that does that make sense for you, Joni and Billy? Is that what I call them, Joni and Billy? Joni and so. How about Joni and Chachi? Joni and Chachi. Would you work with Joni and Chachi? I'd love to work with them. I bet they'd be awesome house flippers too. They would. That's a great. I mean, that's a great marketing right there. Joni and Chachi flip houses. Oh, uh, I'd watch uh, it. Yeah, <laughs> I would definitely watch it. All right, one last question. Every everybody gets this question. Actually, it's not the last, last. It's not the final, final. But as you've listened to some of the podcasts, we're trying to think of an idea to bring all of the guests together at some time down in the future, five, ten years from now. And part of the event is going to be karaoke. Brian Lynch, you're, <laughs> up, you're up on the stage. You're up on the stage. What song are you singing? Oh yeah. So I knew this question was coming. So. Uh... <laughs> I, this is, it's, it's interesting. Um, so I've played guitar since I was 13. So I've played guitar for 30 something years. Wow. I cannot sing. There's like a mental block. Like I can sing in the car. I'll sing along to the radio. Always have been rocking out to the, to the radio, but um, singing and playing at the same time where I've, and I've done karaoke before, but going up and sing, it just, there's a mental block. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, you know, and I'm not like a great musician or anything, but I've been playing long enough that I'm familiar with, you know, music and music structure. And uh, it's just, I don't know what it is. There's some kind of, it's interesting, um, you know, whatever's going on in my head that just can't sing uh, or get the words out. Like, it's not even like the physical, like, oh, I can't, you know, don't have a good singing voice. It's just like this mental block. So uh, karaoke song, 
that is a tough one. So when we go to the uh, the reunion in 10 years and it's my turn for karaoke, I don't know. Um, it's I, funny, Dr. Joe says, we did a whole thing on, and you know the Dr. Joe show, we did a whole thing on the psychology of karaoke because you know I'm fascinated. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. the whole concept of ice breaking and oxytocin and all of what, uh, you know, community and cheering. And he he dialed it into three three people. There's three karaoke personality types. There's um, soloist, you know, get off my stage. I, I yeah. got this. There's, I'll do it, but only if there's a group of people with me and the third is i would rather go to have my root canal done without any anesthesia than get up <laughs> on the stage is that you for karaoke at this point in your life or would you be I like okay, you know I've, everyone's doing it i'm yeah. gonna do it because i've heard enough people that suck that i so what who cares yeah. well i'll say this um i've certainly learned through you know watching karaoke being at karaoke bars but in a lot of things like you have to go in 110 you cannot kind of pretend or kind of half pull back you know, hard right? you have the only way to do it is to go all out right that's um so i you know i would uh, i don't know where i fit into dr joe's categories there uh i would do, i would do it would i do it well <laughs> probably not but i would know i gotta i gotta give it my so what as song, poorly so as what, it may sound. So what song would you give your all? Yeah, that's um and it's funny, you could be a hybrid between root canal and soloist too. Sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't be the soloist because I, you know, it would not be it would probably not go well, but you know. So what? Give it the give it the effort. That's right. So what is right. It's a I mean it's a, it's the right attitude. So so so, so Dr. Joe, again to bring him up, we when we were going into the studio to do the show every week, we would do, go to the local Ming Dynasty, one drink, one song, never the same song twice. And his children are all theatrically trained. I mean, one went to Berkeley, one is doing a, a, a production for kids in science, uh, Science with Sophie, awesome, awesome, by the way, for kids. Um, she's a riot though. So I did New York, New York, and nice. I, came, I came down no, I didn't do New York, New York. But for X, Sinatra is a good choice, but that's that's kind of, you can- I think I might've done it because she lives in New York. I forget, mm -hmm. but so I come back down and she uh, she looks at me deadpan and she goes, great stage presence. <laughs> yeah. And that's the 110% you're talking about. Like if you're yeah. not gonna, if you're not gonna sing Bohemian Rhapsody, like an opera singer, like you better crush the stage presence, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so that's true. There's two parts there, right? There's actually the vocal, but there's the stage presence, right? So you got to do both. You got to go right. full on in both. Um, so what song? And, you know, all right. So what song? It's a great question. I'd probably want to sing a song that I love, right? Something that means something to me to get me through it. Right? But you also know music. So you also know like, ooh, that artist would be really hard to, like, you're not going to go up and sing Michael Jackson, but you, you know, might sing something that's more within your range, right? Yeah, so I listened, I grew up listening to, well, I grew up with a lot of classic rock, but as I got older, you know, in college and, and beyond, started kind of going into the more of the the, the punk kind of garage yeah. band. So that, you know, those are just screamers, right? There's three not a chords, lot of, yeah. Yeah, three yeah. chords and the truth, right? So right. that's, uh, you know, the music that I love or has a, 
a special place in my heart. So not a, I don't think there's a lot, there are probably some great singers in that genre, but, uh, you know, I would definitely, uh, maybe not a screamer, but it more energy, maybe energy is more important than the vocal dynamics. So I'd look something like that. So my favorite song, I'll, I'll answer it. I don't know how truthful 15 minutes I'll, later. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, I mean, this is like, you gotta watch like you watch the you know the news politicians you gotta know how to answer something yeah you never answer yeah so. yeah but you're gonna answer it so what is it no i will i will i will answer it the the song i would pick is probably my favorite song i've mentioned the song to you before bastards of young by the replacements replacements is a kind of a post-punk band early 80s out of uh, minnesota minneapolis that i love their music uh bastards young is my favorite song of theirs it's probably about 90 seconds long makes it easy and uh you know I'd, I'd probably you know go with that and not too many people probably have ever heard that song out of care it's a good one though it's a classic it's if you were paying attention to that music at that time it's a it's a classic um that's awesome brian so the most important question how do people get in touch with you i mean easy enough uh email um styles law so b lynch b-l-y-n-c-h at styles hyphen law.com that's my email address our office number is 781-319-1900. Again, 781-319-1900. Email, uh, phone call, whatever, you know, someone feels, uh, you know, whatever easiest for them, I'm, I'm happy to, to, to reach out, uh, reach back, whatever makes the most sense, yeah. So give them a call, 781-319-1900. Brian Lynch, do you have a Calendly link set up yet? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> well, it's got, it'll be in the show notes for you guys, because I know that you're going to want to strategize with Brian. Right, He's going to get super busy. So look for that. I think we're going to host those on the website also. Uh, so look for his strategy link and, and talk to him. You know, you've, you've heard him. He's a good, he's a good dude. I would, uh, I, oh, I have hired him to do legal entities for us. So I know the disclaimer, the, uh, I know the disclaimer is coming now that says I don't endorse anybody, but I endorse this guy. So Brian, thanks for coming on, buddy. Thank you, Mark. I loved it. This was Talk fun. to you soon. Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. Today's episode is sponsored by Securitidal. Securitidal helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Securitidal, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E.com, where security and title come together. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.